James Scholes, welcome back to the Show Me Institute podcast. It's been a minute. It has. It's great to be back with you. So you are a longtime Missourian with Show Me Institute for many years. And um, you took a hiatus last year and moved to Florida. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, I had a great opportunity to take a position as the dean of a college of education at Southeastern University. It's in Lakeland, Florida, which is located between Tampa and Orlando. And uh, was really excited about, about the job and ended up loving the job. But you know, as you know, I have four kids. We moved and um, the fam- my whole family just wasn't happy living in Florida. And after a while, it just came obvious that we needed to move back. We wanted to be back in Missouri. It's where my wife and I are from. It's where mm-hmm. our families are. And uh, we, we missed it. We missed yeah. uh, our family, friends, but also just like seasons. Like I'm excited about fall. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're certainly so, glad to have you back. Well, yeah. I mean, what I I made the commitment that I was going to move back. And fortunately, the University of Missouri St. Louis had not filled my position that I left. And so I was able to reapply, get back into that position and reestablish myself here as a fellow with the Show Me Institute. And I'm excited to to get back in digging into Missouri policy. So just recently, just before, or just before, just when you joined, a couple of big things have come up um, that I've been wanting to talk to you about. One is that we're beginning to see, I mean, we've been seeing for years, so test scores are trickling out post-pandemic, you know, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, I guess, test scores are beginning to come out. Missouri has released their statewide test scores for last year. They're pretty bad. They're really pretty dismal. We clawed back a couple points from the year before when they were really, really bad, but not not anything substantial. We're still behind where we started before the pandemic, which was not super high, as you recall. And then, um, and then the national test scores from a test that you know, the long-term NAEP that's been given since the 70s, shocking, just shocking, right? I'm sure you saw those. Yeah, like 30 years worth of loss, basically. <laughs> I mean, they've been flat a lot and they, they've they never really gone down. Like from True. the 70s, we've gotten a tiny bit better or flat. And that's usually the story is like, we've gotten nowhere since the 70s. And now we've lost significant ground, so especially groups of students. And in about a month, October 24th, the state level results from NAEP are going to be released. Don't know what they're going to say about Missouri. Um, but, you know, I, I don't expect very many states will do great. What do you think are the, like the prospects here? What do you think, um, you know, the last pandemic, a whole generation lost educational attainment, and median earnings, never got it back. Do you think that there's a way that we're going to get back on track? Well, that's a good question. And I, I think the answer is probably no. And I think yeah. it was Rob Pondistio. Your kids are in this generation, story. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the truth. We are not that good at closing gaps or making up lost ground. But if we were good at it, then the persistent achievement gap we've had for forever would have closed more, you know, but we've never been able to close it. I mean, you know, we've had moderate, small gains over time, but not the type of rapid gains that we would hope to see from this type of loss. I mean, we're talking about, as I mentioned a moment ago, especially for students of color, black students, for students living in poverty, these were tremendous uh, losses. Uh, I think it was Daryl Bradford who said it was a 30-year loss for Black students in terms of test scores. I mean, this is a tremendous loss. And if it took us 30 years to to tick up on the test, 
and we lost it, I can't imagine we're going to gain it back in just a couple of years. I think it's it's going to be a long-term project for us to overcome this. Yeah, I think people don't realize or think about sometimes the fact that that means that students now have to learn at a much, much faster rate. So, you know, not only do they have to make up what they lost, but they're supposed to be on track to be gaining in the first place. So now you have to like triple the rate of learning and yeah, we have not proven that we can do that nationally and certainly not in Missouri. Well, and think about this too. You would have to change some systems. You would have to change some things to actually make make that sort of gain. What have we changed? Yeah. This is something you and I kind of, you know, decried during COVID is that this was a time in which we could really change some things, sure. improve some systems, do things differently. And we didn't. Uh, we did well. We tried to do online learning. We did it very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but schools, by and large, haven't done much different, right. and they haven't made the types of changes that I would think would lead to really um, significant gains. So, if we've just gone back to doing school the way that we did it pre-COVID, why would you expect big gains? Yeah, uh, I and I know happening. That's right. In Missouri, there's a lot of talk about what to do with teachers and that we need to focus on teacher recruitment and retention and teacher pay. We have a blue ribbon commission on teachers as though this is the the way to solve the problem. And it's certainly a big part of it. But it, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was like, you know, let's just say you go to the doctor and they say, you've got this terrible disease. We haven't really, you know, we don't know really what to do with you. What we're going to do is send some doctors back to medical school so that they can, you know, while you are sick, right? We're going to send doctors back to medical school so that they can hopefully learn how to come back and and fix you versus like scrambling to try to fix you right now. And it's like, I feel like that's what we keep saying. Well, we're going to do professional development. We're going to recruit new teachers, things like that. And that to me doesn't address the immediate need that's right in front of us right now. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. I'm when it comes to teacher salaries, I'm generally supportive of of increasing teacher pay. I'm I'm I like more pay. Sure. And I think and I think most people like more pay as well. But what gets lost in that discussion is that there are trade-offs, right? That that uh, you can't just spend more money all the time, that it has to come from somewhere. And, and I think the same thing here with you talking about sending doctors back for training. We talk about teachers getting master's degrees. Well, the teachers are going to spend their time on master's degrees. That means they have less time to spend on classroom preparation or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and we've seen a number of studies that have shown while teachers are getting master's degrees, they tend to be worse teachers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's so, who you teach. <laughs> right. right. So, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a complicated problem. I mean, I have seen no discussion in Missouri on selecting high quality curriculum, Right. We, we leave no. most teachers up to choosing whatever they want. Um, and teachers create all these Google Docs and share Google Docs and whatever, but we have very little training on what is high quality curriculum. How do you choose it? Yeah. How do we put it in place? Right? That's not a discussion at all. But pay teachers more? I mean, that's, again, maybe not a terrible idea. I like pay, but there are lots of other things we could be thinking about. Yeah, I'm talking about giving every teacher a bonus, which is like, is that a bonus then? <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know. But, um, you know, I think the one thing that I'm not here talked about enough anyway in Missouri is shifting power. So we didn't really change the way things work, right? We didn't really 
uh, think about opening it up in a different way or letting kids go half a day to micro school and half a day, you know, we didn't really think about like what else could, could education look like for the kid who can do, you know, science online and they need math help in person. Like we haven't talked about any of those kind of real big changes, but one thing that we could do, I think is shift some of the power from the system to families because Last year, according to the test scores, just 30% of Missouri students scored proficient or higher in math, just 30%. And I don't think in a system where you gave money to parents and let them pick a school, 70% of parents would just throw their hands up and go, oh, I picked this thing, I spent my money, and we just didn't get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think 70% of parents would be like, well, I guess we didn't hit the mark. You know, when it is a parent's responsibility and they do get the money to spend, I think they hold people more accountable, right? So we have not talked, in my opinion, enough about sort of shifting power away from these entrenched systems. The Department of Elementary Secondary Education in Missouri, DESE just grows, you know, the programs just multiply, you know, there's no sort of check on that growth. And, um, and Missouri's losing students. That's just a yeah. fact. We're projected to be We've generally been a million nine hundred thousand. Now we're eight hundred and forty thousand K twelve students. We're projected to be like seven hundred and sixty thousand in four or five years. We're losing students. That's a fact, and we are still sort of like we need to recruit more teachers. Right. So, well, to your point, you reminded me of a quote. I'm going to paraphrase from Milton Friedman, where he said something like, "You know, the worst way to spend money is when you have people spending other people's money on other people's kids." Right. That's right. And the best, the most efficient is when you spend your own money on yourself or your own kids. That's right. And that's that's what you're saying here. If we put the money in parents' hands, they're going to have more interest to get a better bang for their buck to get to, right. and, and to, to make sure that they're doing it at a cost-efficient manner, right? So the 70% of parents you're saying, they're not going to sit back and say, oh, I'm satisfied with my kid being below basic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That seems good enough. Uh, and, oh and I'm well, not saying, I'm not saying that teachers do that either. No. Nevertheless, that's the result we keep getting over and over and over. I mean, look, we have a lot of districts in the St. Louis area. I could name a few: Ferguson, uh, Normandy, Riverview Gardens, with single-digit rates. Like nine out of ten kids not hitting the mark, and and generally the solution proposed to that is more money, right? Spend more in those districts because. That's going to be the what's going to save them, and decades of experience with that proves it's not that's incorrect. And and even when the district has struggled for so long, when a charter school tries to open there, they face oh, yeah. stiff opposition. Well, that's that's incredible. taking more money away. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of that topic of school choice and letting parents choose, this week a report was released by the Heritage Foundation in Washington D.C called the Economic Freedom Index, where it's a pretty extensive study. The researchers put together a big data set, all 50 states plus D.C., and they ranked every state on, I believe, five measures, and then they added them all up. One of the measures was school choice. And of course, when I saw the study, I was like, great, I can't, see how, can't wait to see how we did, because you and I talk about and go to Jefferson City and write about and so on, bringing more school choice to Missouri. Kind of shocking. <laughs> our rank on that one, right? Were you surprised? Uh, absolutely, I about fell out of my chair. Missouri, they had they had ranked fourth, A yeah. and from the top. I mean, people right. were like, "Is that good?" Like fourth from the top, right? 
yeah, I I about fell out of my chair. I mean, there's no way that unless you weight things in a very strange way, there's no way that Missouri should be ranked fourth. I mean, if we can talk about the different things included in this in this analysis, they have homeschooling, they have uh, charter schooling, they have private schools or private school choice, or interdistrict choice. Is there anything else? No, I think that was it. I mean, homeschooling, I'll give them. Yeah, uh, Missouri is pretty well regarded in terms of homeschool laws. There's not a lot of strings to, for homeschoolers. I mean, it's a for homeschoolers like to just be left alone mostly, and Missouri mostly leaves them alone. So in that area, okay, sure, we rank pretty high. But on the other areas, there's no possible way we should be ranking towards the top. And I have a blog post that should be going up uh, Show Me Institute's website about this saying, really, this is what number four looks like? I don't even touch on interdistrict choice, but interdistrict choice is almost non-existent in Missouri. Several years ago, I called around. I had a family saying, hey, we're in this district. It's not going well. What could we do? And so I called all the districts in the area and said, hey, I've got a family who would like to come to your district. But they said, yeah, they could come. They have to pay the full full freight. Like, yeah, they've, have to they've, they've got to pay the the full per pupil expenditure that's not interdistrict choice just the fact that you could go if yeah. you pay it <laughs> we have like two things you can do if you pay property taxes as of last year if you pay property tax in another district so let's just say you live in a district but you've got a condominium in this district like let's just say you live out in the middle of the state i don't know why this would even make any sense you have a student in st louis you have a condominium there you can send kids your own kids to a district where you pay property taxes very small group of people. And then there's right. one that's like if the high school is fewer miles from the, you know, that the bordering high school is right. closer to your house by a certain number of miles, you can do it. Well, may, there's 20, 23, I think, states that have mandatory interdistrict choice. Arizona, of course, comes to mind, but you can pick any school in any district. Minnesota started this in the 80s. You can pick any school in any district. Yes, the district has to have space, but Missouri has nothing like that. Right. Even several years ago when our unaccredited school districts, the state yeah. said those students can transfer and go other places. The outrage from the receiving yeah. school districts. I mean, they turned out at school board meetings like you wouldn't believe. And there was so much opposition to it. So on that metric, there's no way we're top five. There's no way. <laughs> okay. So charter schools, <clears throat> the way our law is, you can have a charter school anywhere in the state, but anything in any district that's fully accredited, which is every district, basically. 516 out of 520. Any fully accredited district, the school board has to be the sponsor. Right. That's a deal breaker in Missouri. It looks good on paper. And maybe with all due respect to the authors, if you live in DC, you're like, great, because half of all charter schools in the country are sponsored by their local school board. It is not an issue, except for some reason in Missouri, you're the Missourian, you can explain this to me. Missouri, deal breaker. Right. Why? Yeah, I don't know why, schools... but I know it is. The school district leaders in Missouri walk lockstep in opposition to charter schools. Okay. And even though we've had the charter <laughs> school law on the books for over 20 years, yeah. the rule, um, I don't know when the rule that districts could sponsor went in place, if that was from the very get-go or if it was yeah, later. Yeah, it was from the get-go. it was later. Okay. But, but still, we've not had a single school district, not okay. one. No, no attempts. No one has ever reached out to us and said, hey, I'm interested. What are the steps? <laughs> like, uh, not one. So nope. after 20 years, 
all we had was charter schools in St. Louis and Kansas City. St. Louis City, the city school district in the Kansas City school district. And this year is the first one that a charter, uh, first time a charter school has opened outside of those places. And it's opening in Normandy. And the law there is that they could open up there because the district is unaccredited. So the district isn't sponsoring it. It's a different rule that applies. And as we said earlier, even there, they're facing stiff opposition. So it's it's one of those things where the norms and culture of the place, uh, of the state, even if the law says that it could happen, it's not happening because there's so much opposition to charter schools throughout the state. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of it, it's like a dating app, right? Like they look at Missouri on the dating app, they're like, oh, check, check, check. It's got all got all my must-haves, you know? And you <laughs> get to know the person, you're like, incorrect. Yeah, I do own a home, but, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I have a job. I mean, all your, your must-haves, and it's like you get to know the person. And uh, I mean, with all due respect again to the authors, they should know Missouri a little bit better than just looking at it on paper, because the reality is no. And then uh, the final thing really is the private school choice program, which we will have students enrolling this fall. I mean, it just started. Right. We just have passed out a few hundred scholarships. We don't really know how it's going to work, but the max number of scholarships is how many on that? I mean, not hardly any. I think it's about 3,900. That was what ca yeah. was calculated by EdChoice. Mean, half of a percent, maybe. <laughs> right. And my only guess is that the folks at Heritage must like the, the design of our program. So our program is a tax credit and it is an education savings account. There are only two of these types of programs in the country. Yeah. So the tax credit, you know, so it's not funded directly by the state. And Heritage, Jason Bedrick in particular, has liked this type of account yeah. because they think it um, leads to less government influence on private schools. So they like that tax credit aspect. They love the education savings account aspect because it allows for multiple purposes, multiple uses, not just private school tuition. So I understand that the overall structure and design of that is a is pretty good. I, I like it as well. But again, it's a brand new program. It's tiny. And we have hardly anyone enrolled. <laughs> I know. I know. Here's the other thing for me. I, I started trying to do a little research for the blog post that I was writing. And I wanted to find out how do I apply for one of these? And so I just started Googling. And it's very hard to find out where do you even go to apply for something like this? So I, I have to imagine that very few Missourians even know this thing exists. That's and right. if they do know what exists, very few know how to find the information to actually get the scholarships. So we've got a long, long road ahead if we hope to, to get more students enrolled in this type of program. And it does depend on people uh, donating to the scholarship organizations to get their tax credit, right? So I've right. had a few people say, oh, now that I know about that, can you tell me how I can go make a donation? But that also isn't widely known information. So we can raise up to $25 million. I don't think that the uh, scholarship granting organizations have raised $25 million. And, and here's the difference. So, so Florida's number one, right? We're number four. Florida's number one overall. I don't remember where they ranked on school, on school choice, but I'm assuming it's ahead of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's first. Yeah. So when I went... Uh, to buy a car in Florida. As I'm signing the paperwork on my car, 
they pushed this little document in front of me. They said, this is just a, so you're aware that oh, it was $25 or $50, some portion of what I was paying them was going to be donated to one of their state scholarship programs. So they had me sign a little waiver saying yeah, I understood. Donated. <laughs> right. Uh, so basically they charged me the extra money to pay, but but that's they have those programs put in place and it's very commonplace yeah. in Florida. Yeah. We don't have those programs put in place here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we we this is what is frustrating about the number 4 rating and then what I think partly why you and I were upset about that is is our friends in the lawmaker who support school choice or or those who are on the fence might look at this and say Ah, we've done a good enough job. Yeah, yeah. Wash, <laughs> wash our hands. We we have can now rest on our laurels. We cannot rest on our laurels. Like the percentage of students that actually have a meaningful choice in Missouri is negligible. I mean, yeah. it is still single digits. <laughs> right. Most students have no option in the state, and so we have a long road ahead if we really hope to have meaningful choice in the state. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, I assume, is one or two, and they have universal private school choice for every kid in the state. Uh, to get from that being two to us being four is just like a shocking drop off. <laughs> I just don't understand, you know, how that could possibly have happened. OK, so now that you're back at the Show Me Institute, what are you looking forward to for or what are you what are you thinking um, about this next legislative session? You know, I've I've still tried to to figure that out or figure out who. Who are who are the people that are going to be taking the lead in in the key positions and whose whose agenda is going to be pushed? Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I'm I'm not entirely sure what all will get done, mm -hmm. but it's it's my hope that we will see continued efforts to expand the scholarship program, um, increase eligibility for those types of programs. Right now, we didn't even mention this: our scholarship program is limited to people in certain counties and cities of a certain size. Yeah. Right. So throughout the state, you live in rural Missouri, no, no option for the program. So I hope that people are trying to expand those types of programs. Um, now, while I was gone, you tell me, we didn't get a charter law change where people can enroll across district boundaries, did we? We did not. We, we, they did <laughs> fix the funding. They, they fixed the funding glitch, which was just a weird, uh, you know, a weird aspect of the original law where the funding came out of the district's funding and now the funding comes from the state. So we fixed yeah. the funding. So, but so not crossing if, district boundaries. If we could, I mean, I would love to see a continued push to allow students to enroll across district boundaries. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, so to me, it's, it's, we still need to be trying to improve on the programs that we have and grow the programs that we have. Mm -hmm. What about you? What are you looking to see? Yeah. So, uh, I assume you'll be doing a lot of good school choice work. I'm still sort of pounding the drum on accountability. I still am disappointed that the legislature hasn't passed any real school report card provision. Uh, we still don't have any meaningful differentiation between schools. MSIP 6 happened while you're gone, and it is uh, more watered down than MSIP 5. And now districts and schools can get points under the accountability system for things like looking at the data, like having a plan. There's things that, you know, you get points for that have nothing to do with academic performance. And so I'd like to uh, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be cleaned up. We will keep updating our school report cards with new data when it comes out in December. And we're going to be launching. I hope I guess I'll preview it. 
I have to have faith in myself here, but a school <laughs> finance report card. We're hopeful to have a school finance report card to go along with it because um, the budget for this school year, the state and federal budget is 10 and a half billion. It's generally about six or 7 billion, but we have a ton, as you know, federal money this year, three and a half billion um, appropriated by the Missouri legislature. You know, it comes to the federal government and a lot of it gets distributed out to districts, but it's an unprecedented education budget. I think we'll end up spending at least 15,000 per student, maybe 18,000. So it's, mm. it's really going to be exorbitant with that, all that federal money. So just watching it and seeing how that money gets spent and, um, and seeing what the legislature like demands from DESE in return. I mean, somebody needs to stand up and they, when they release the test scores, a month or so ago, the statewide test scores, and they said it was just for an informational lens. And there was some discussion about not saying that schools are not performing well because the legislature may not want to appropriate as much as much money. You know what I mean? I hear these things and I hear like, maybe we shouldn't look at proficient. Maybe we should look at basic. And I just see uh, the people running the show um, just trying to create cover for bad performance instead yeah. of really getting tough and uh, so I'd like to see a little bit, I'd like to see a lot more accountability. Yeah. So that's, I, I, you know, and I think this is a good year for open enrollment, interdistrict choice. I think this is a good, really, really good year for that because, you know, parents are supposedly becoming a an interest group, a voting block, whatever, but parents are mad. And a lot of parents are mad. And a lot of the last two years, you know, when either they had to wear a mask or couldn't wear a mask, they had to be vaccinated, they couldn't be vaccinated, you know, they were in person, they weren't in person. And parents, I think, are fed up and would like to be able to choose something. You know, if it's not my district, can I go to the next district and get that thing? I, and they don't care that much about district lines, care a lot about like these basic things for their kids. I mean, yeah. you four kids, you've picked four different schools before, right? You know, it's <laughs> you need that flexibility, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, you know, I... I Mm -hmm. I'm always optimistic. I'm, I tend to, tend to be an optimistic person. Yeah. And I've been optimistic looking at the Missouri legislature for more than a decade. And uh, what I have learned is that typically we get very incremental change. Mm -hmm. And so, so let's keep pushing for those things. And, and maybe they'll surprise us one of these times and do something dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they will. But I mean, I, I, we have been moving in the right direction lately. Right. We fixed, uh, we've made some improvements to the virtual school law. Um, we've fixed the charter school funding problem. I mean, we've made some little improvements here and there. So I, if that's the direction that we just keep going, you know, baby steps in that direction, that's better than not. But I think this is a great opportunity for the legislature to really listen to parents because parents are, are pretty unhappy and parents know that their kids have lost a year or two of learning. Yeah. They want tutoring. They want, they want, um, you know, supplemental scholarships to go get tutoring or something like that. I think that's what, if we're going to get back on track, that's what we're going to have to do. It's, I like think. We, it's like we said earlier, if we really hope to make up ground, we can't go back to doing the exact same thing we were doing before. Definition of insanity. So. <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, James, so great to talk to you. I'm sure we'll be doing this again. And welcome back to, thank you. As a Missourian, welcome back to Missouri. And uh, I look forward to do, seeing lots of great work. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.